Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha Bechol levavcha Ubechol nafshecha Ubechol meodecha That language was Hebrew. That's a pastor in Jerusalem. Remember, Dr. Van, when Pastor Jonathan, you and I had uh, lunch with he and his wife Anne, just, just up the road from the Western Wall where he said that prayer in Hebrew. But actually, that prayer in Hebrew was said centuries before that, given by God to Moses to give to the people. At the same time, he gave them the Ten Commandments. And sometimes we know the Ten Commandments, but we don't know what was the greatest commandment that was given. It's called the Shema. It means pay attention or listen up. And uh, we're in the second week in a series because about 10 years ago, I had a conversation with Jesus and I said, you know, if this prayer is that important to you, I want it to be that important to me because Jesus was one time put on the spot by a lawyer and he was asked the question, what's the greatest of all commandments? And, and Jesus answered back, not, you know, you shall not kill or steal. You, you shall not have any false gods. Jesus answered back and, and he said, the Shema, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, uh, and he went on with a second command that's also great. We're going to look at it in a few moments. But I just began to say, Jesus, I'm going to... I'm going to cultivate this prayer as a believer so that it's part of my daily communication with you. Now, we started last week, and each week, did you know this? After I meet with you, or whoever is the pastor that's teaching that day, we, we go and we do a 10-minute video just picking up on a couple of the truths from this gathering, and we also do a 30-second one, all for, for social media. So last Sunday, I, I called it Two Refreshers, Two Refreshers for Your Prayer Life. It'll help you remember where we were last week. And, and the one was before you go over your to-do list with God, go over your all-done list with Him. Be thankful for what he's done already. And the other one was, when you pray, don't just look for God's hand. Look for God's face. Look for his face. Um, because, you know, for, for many, the objective when they pray is, is not to love God through prayer, but it's to pray. You know, for, for, for many in the religious world, they'll, or even non-religious, you know, God's a religious being, or he's in nature, or he's a higher power, he's an intelligent designer, but in, in, in all of those views, he's basically faceless. Even a Christian, our objective can be, you know, I, I'm going to, 
I've got to get through this prayer plan. I'm going to have these five or 10 or 15 or 20 minutes with God. I'm going to say these prayers. I'm going to read these scriptures because I'm reading through the Bible. And, and all of that is so good. But, but then we bring our requests and we look for God's hand to provide. But, but God ends up so easily reduced to a cosmic Amazon where we put in our orders and we want the fastest delivery possible. Prayer can become a meeting with God's hand without ever seeing his face. Uh, last week, uh, we saw Jesus telling people, you're getting God wrong, he says. You want to know what God is like? He basically saying, Shema, that means listen up. <laughs> or look at me. Because whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You want to know what God's like? Take a good look at me. John went on to say, one of his first followers, in, in Jesus, the fullness of God dwells. And the objective of prayer then becomes to love the God who loves you. Weren't those great songs about the love of God today? He, he loves us and we respond to that love. We partner with him as his child and we say, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me just illustrate what I'm saying here. I want it to stick, so let's just look at a, a popular verse in the Bible about prayer. I don't know how many people have told me over the years, God told me he will give me the desires of my heart. I still haven't got them. You know, desire this, desire that still is not there. You know, this is what I want, what I really, really want, but he's just not doing it. Look at the whole verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you see that? Delight yourself in the Lord. When you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires get elevated, so you end up asking for what is the best for your life. How many of God loves you wants the best for you? And your desires need to become what he desires for you. Right desires are formed in moments in prayer of right delighting. Loving God in prayer gets you to a place where you have God's perspective. That's why last week we began this Shema for the Believer series. And, and I want you to say it aloud and together with me. Have you got this part of it memorized? Because then, you know what we're seeing in these two weeks are something we can put in our spiritual back pocket and just always have there with us wherever we go. So say it aloud and together with me. Not this, this. Lord, I love you with all my heart, so I set my feelings by praising and thanking you for so much good today. Now, today, what does it look like to love God, not just with all your heart, but with all your soul, mind, and strength? What, what does that look like? Well, let's start with soul. The word for soul in the Hebrew, where the prayer was first given by Moses, is nefesh. Do you know it's used 700 times, 700 times in the Old Testament, nefesh, because in Hebrew culture, listen to me, a person didn't just have a soul, a person was a soul. They were, it was the personhood. So you didn't tell someone, get a life. You'd say, get a soul, get a nefesh. 
Remember the creation story in Genesis? God breathed in the first humans and they became a living nefesh, living soul, living soul. Now, to help us understand that better, I I thought maybe we'd look at a a verse in the Psalms that so many of us really appreciate. Now, it was originally written in Hebrew by the psalmist David. Bless the Lord, O my, my nefesh, all my nefesh, and all that is within me. So you you see, it's almost like parallelism there, where when you bless the Lord with all your soul, you're blessing him with all that's in you. Jesus told the story of a man who basically (laughs) shriveled up his soul. He killed his soul. Life was all about selfishness. It was nothing about God or others. Remember, he, whatever money he had, he said, I'll just build bigger investments, bigger barns and store, and I'll keep it all to myself. And, and, and he made these things so big, and his soul shriveled up to a point where he became exactly what he made his soul. He just shriveled it up till there's just nothing left of it. And Jesus says this. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, now, thankfully, Jesus told another story. Margaret sang about it in the, the very first song of our gathering about the prodigal son. Do you remember the prodigal son story? In Luke, uh, he told his dad, Dad, give me my money and I'm out of here. Uh, All you are, he basically was saying to his dad, all you are to me is your moolah. And he blew it on partying with his like-minded narcissistic friends, but the foundation of the friendship was his money. (laughs) So when his money was gone, how many friends did he have left? You know, I thought, you know, I thought, it almost makes me want to believe in karma. I've never seen this before. Don't worry, I'll get out of this in a second. <laughs> Karma says, he basically his friends are saying back to him what he had said to his dad. All you are to me is your? No, mula. <laughs> they, they viewed him the same way he had viewed his dad. It came right back to him. But, but, but you're, you're going to see he doesn't end up receiving what he gave, okay? We're, we're going to see that in a moment. So it's not karma after all. But, but he gets into a place where he realizes that he's, that he's not only, watch this, he's not only got a job on a farm feeding pigs. Guess what he's eating for his diet? Pig food. He's an animal, basically. And one day, Jesus, when he tells a story, uses the phrase, he came to his senses. Hold on here. I'm not an animal. I'm more than an animal. I'm a son. I'm going to return to my father. And even if he just wants to treat me like a servant, that would be a a big step up from, from being an animal. At least I'd be a person. And he returns home to his father. And if you read the story, his nephesh was restored. His personhood was restored. He was a son again. Uh, what exactly happens to your soul when you love God with all of it? And you realize, I, I, I'm more than an animal. <laughs> I have a soul. It was made by God. It was made, it was, my soul was made to love God with all of it. You know what happens? Watch this. Your soul, you value people. Yeah, here it is. First one, your soul is valued 
comes home and is restored. <laughs> Remember Jesus said, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Restoration. Rest for your souls. And, and, and then what else happens here? You value people as more than animals, as souls. You know, you've never met a person that is not valuable to God. How many have had some close calls? <laughs> you just wonder, how, how can they? They're, they're, just, they're just living like an animal. But, but Jesus died for them. He, he loves them. He wants them to change and become what they can be with, with the power of his love. You know, Love Army operates on that premise, doesn't it? We, we don't even know you. When I was listening to those numbers today from Matt, you know, we don't even know you, but we love you. <laughs> oh, you're practicing this already. Listen, and then third, you sacrifice the temporary for the everlasting. When you know you have this eternal soul, being a nephesh helps me make good decisions. Because I look at a relationship or I look at money I look at what's happening in the world, and I don't just look at it in terms of this life, but I know that I'm going to have an eternal life. My soul is going to live forever. You know, remember Jesus said, store up treasures in heaven. Then they'll last forever. What I do for other people. Remember the day of judgment, Jesus, I saw what you did for others. You did it to me. The good things, those acts of goodness that you did. And so I invite you to say this with me, to love God with all your soul and what it means. Can you say this aloud and together with me? Okay? I love you with all my soul, so I sacrifice to live today like it matters forever. I had this verse, familiar verse to some of us from Lamentations going through my mind. It was actually a song that was going through, the steadfast of the Lord never ceases. <laughs> His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. When you love God with all your soul, whatever you lose in this life, you never lose your worth or your value, right? Because your soul lives forever. This life is not it. You, you, you always have heaven ahead of you, whatever happens. So you always have hope. So I love you, Lord, with all my soul. All my soul. So I live today like it's going to matter forever, like my soul's going to go on. Our mind. I love you with all my heart, soul, my mind. In Hebrew, the word mind and heart have the same meaning. In Greek, the language of Jesus' audience, when he was saying the Shema, the heart was the center of the feelings. The mind was the center of thoughts. And that's why Jesus, when he quotes the Shema, in Greek, he adds the word mind. In Hebrew, it was just heart, or, uh, soul, and strength. In Greek, it's heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus is basically making sure that every one of us knows that we can love the Lord with all of our feelings and with all of our thoughts. Every thought. Now, when I first started writing this uh, Shema for believers, for the first few years, I think, I, I sort of wrote it Thinking this, always think the best of people. How many have ever heard that? Always think the best of people. 
I don't pray that anymore. <laughs> I don't pray that anymore. How many know some people are just selfish and greedy? They're deceptive. They're always on the take. They're users. There's a word that rhymes with users that comes to mind. If you think the best of the pe people, if you're always just thinking the best, that's the next time you get that text scam that says, you, we got a refund for you. Just press this button on your phone and, and get the refund we have for you. Okay, I'll just think the best of them. I'll give them all my banking info, all my identity information. No. There's times in the Gospels that it says this. It says, Jesus knew what it was in the hearts of people. One, another time, Jesus did not trust himself to them. Jesus identified King Herod as a cunning fox. He wasn't like, oh, just think the best of them. Thinking the best can be dangerous, but what about this? What about, instead of that, bringing the best? bringing the best out of every person and situation you encounter. Loving God with all my minds is basically saying, whatever happens to me, if I handle the people and circumstances God's way, he will always be able to bring something good out of it. Isn't that wonderful? It's sort of like Joseph in the Old Testament talking to his abusive brothers. What you intended for evil, God has turned into good. We cannot choose how people treat us, but we can choose how we process it in our thoughts, right? What are the results of loving God with all our minds? Let me give you three of them. Number one, you are free to choose what you dwell on. Did you know that? You, we can't always choose the first thought that we just stuff that jumps into our minds, but we can choose whether we stay there or not. How many know there's a difference between a gaze and a glance? You are free to choose what you dwell on. Dallas Willard wrote this. He says, the ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we allow our minds to dwell on. Remember the Apostle Paul said, take into captivity every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We, we have the power to do that. Secondly, you allow God to bring the best out of people and situations. I, I remember a time... Esther, I think you and I were talking about it uh, just this past week, and that's why it was on my mind, how one, we were pastoring in Edmonton. Hi, Edmontonians. Or text me or email me, let me know you listen in to find out if your old pastor still preaches the truth. <laughs> but I remember one day, uh, Esther and I were invited out to lunch by some people who could not have been more supportive of us. Man, I remember, remember the youth group, it just kept, we, we ended up with three youth groups. We started with one in less than two years. And uh, the church then, uh, and these people were always with us. When we took those bus loads of kids on a retreat, they were always in there. And, and, and they were wonderful leaders and, and so supportive of us. Uh, when I became the senior pastor, I had to not only take care of the youth, but, but a lot of people in the church. And I'll never forget the day they asked Esther and I out for lunch. And we were busy, but we made time and we went out for lunch with them. He pulled a list out of his pocket and they began to go over all these lists of expectations that we, they had of us that we were not meeting. I mean, if it hadn't been someone else, it wouldn't have been so bad, but I felt so betrayed. 
They, they just didn't get it. They just didn't understand that I couldn't do everything I used to do, plus do all the responsibilities I did. I'm so glad Pastor Jonathan's a senior pastor now. <laughs> senior pastors get into these things, you know? The expectations that are there. But I, I'll never forget it, because we were young. Well, we're still young, right? Please say amen. I didn't hear you in the balcony. Online, just tape it in. Amen. They're, they look that way. Just say that. That would be fine. Because Dr. Vance, you're not going to say it. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, we were devastated. I, I just, I mean, you just, you're hitting the soul so hard that you just can't recover. And I remember we, we went back to our little townhouse in Edmonton. And uh, a little while later, the phone rang. A little lady in our church, you never heard boo from. She said, I was praying for you and pastor this morning. And she said, I just had to find out what your phone number was and call you. We didn't have cell phones back then. Dinosaurs existed. No. <laughs> I'm not making the case for not being old, am I? But she said, I just had a burden for you in prayer, so I just had to call you and let you know that God knows whatever you've encountered and he is with you and he wants you to have his peace. How many know nothing um, is as refreshing? A drink is never as refreshing as when you're thirsty, right? And when you're down and someone brings on a word of encouragement and the Holy Spirit in their prayer time led them to do that. Isn't that wonderful? It was so helpful. See, you, you have a peace when you dwell on God's perspective. One of my favorite verses is from Isaiah about peace. Listen to this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. So there's a correlation there. We trust in him, he keeps us in perfect peace. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. It's where you dwell. Notice peace happens only when your thoughts dwell on God's thoughts. But when they do, he gives you his peace. So let's say this aloud and together. I love you with all my mind, so I choose to think of what will bring the best out of every person and situation I encounter today. I love you, Lord, with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and with all my... But in Hebrew, <laughs> miop. Imagine going, to, I love you with all my miop. He'd know what you were talking about, but what is me up? You know, it's, it's quite a word for them to translate, muchness. <laughs> I love you with all my muchness, Lord. All my abilities, all my potential, all my strength, all my strength. How many have found that when you pray, it doesn't always come easy? <laughs> Sometimes you're just not feeling like praying at all. You know, Pastor Jonathan has invited all of our elders to be fasting, and praying in preparation for the last Sunday night of this month when we're going to have a, a big healing service in this place. I'm looking forward to it. But as soon as he, I read that uh, email from him just inviting us to, um, to fast, my mind went back to the first couple of times I fasted. Oh, was I surprised. I thought if you did something that heavy-duty spiritual, God would be all over it with blessing and smiles, and it would be so easy. Man, it was ugly. I, I, I was struggling with moods. 
I know the blood sugar thing happens, especially for us that have diabetes in our families. But, and then temptations would come on so strong. And I had these long segments when I was fasting for those three days where I just didn't feel the presence of God at all. But after fasting a number of times, I became, began to realize that those were the moments that God was bringing to the surface areas in my life that needed to be stripped away because I was so much better off without them. And you just keep bringing them to the surface and I just pushed through and, and just, I'd have a new control, self-control in those areas in my life, you know? Um, my character would get stronger and I'd have more sensitivity to him. Prayer is like that at times. Just so you know, it's, it happens for every pastor, every spiritual leader, everyone spiritual hero you admire. There's times where they, you, you pray not because you feel like you push through, you, you use strength when you pray. You push through dry times with me up, <laughs> with strength. You just bring all your muchness there. Did, did you ever think Jesus had to push through? You ever think Jesus had to really push through to have that communication with his father? Listen, how about when Jesus went to the cross and he said, Father, if it's possible, can we do this some other way? Let this cup pass from me, Father. Why? Because he's beginning to feel a separation from his father. Why? Because our sins that he's taking upon himself are getting in the way of him and his father and he doesn't like it. And he says, God, is there any other way? You know, sometimes you, you hear people and they say, oh, Jesus, when he went to the cross, the joy, he was all lovely, dovely, tingly, zingly. No, no, he pushed through. He pushed through the separation from his father, the suffering because of the presence of our sins. Greater love, he said, has no one than the one who sacrifices for his friends, people that, that he loves. And, and just listen to what Jesus added when he quoted the Shema. Shema. Jesus replied, here, here's the Shema. Remember the lawyer asked him the question. He says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This became Jesus' signature command, didn't it, for his followers? This was their branding. This is what branded them. My brand's on you if people can see that you love people the way that I love you. This is how people will know that you're my followers, the love that you have. He says in John, a new command I give you, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. But you know what? The interpretation for that often goes like this, because it's a command, you know? You need to get just as good at loving people as Jesus is. Come on, smarten up, would you? The problem is that we, we, we only have a limited supply of love before the battery goes dead, right? <laughs> And, 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 and it will. It will go dead. Our love battery will go dead unless we recharge it regularly. How do we do that? Well, look at the same verse. Look at what Jesus actually said. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. 
It's what we were singing about. Most of those songs were about it. I loved you. How many of the best you can do when you love God is respond to his greater love for you? You're just reacting to it. You're just responding to it. I love you, Lord. Because you love me first. And your love is strong. It's the strongest. Jesus' love. How many? Jesus' love is where the power is. <laughs> when you pray, experience. Know that you are loved. The, the, the believer's strength to love others comes from Jesus' love for us. That's why Jesus said, it's so important that until I return for you, you receive communion. Because you'll be reminded, I did this, I sacrificed, because this is how valuable you are to me. I love you this much, I gave my everything for you. And so I, I recharge on the love of Jesus for me. <laughs> At times like communion, in times of my prayer, I receive fresh power to love people on the strength of his love for me. And then I have impact. That's why believers can pray with the Shema. Say, say it aloud and together with me. This is the last part of the Shema. All right, let's say it together. I love you with all my strength, so I put my energies into actions and words that love people the way that you love me. You know, the Shema prayer has become my spiritual reset button. <laughs> I only start the day with it. I, it's just many times during the day, it's amazing how it just rises up and gives me perspective or gives me hope or gives me peace or, or gives me strength just to do what, what should be done in that moment. I, I just, it, it's compounded over the years. It just gets better and better and better. I'm so excited about sharing this with you because I know the potential that it has from my own personal experience but what does it look like, all right? Before we pray, let's just sort of, and I'm going to get you to bring your thoughts and feelings and different issues before the Lord in, in our prayer time. But, but right now, what does it look like for Keith Smith? Well, I've got days when I'm just not feeling it. I've got days I feel like a, I'm as spiritual as a piece of lumber. And I like building things. <laughs> but I just feel as spiritual as a toad. Um... I can be, but I can be having the most miserable day where I am, talk about my heart, I am downhearted. I am down. I am down, dooby doo doo down. But I can speak a, a truth. Just let truth trickle in more powerful than my feelings. A truth that sets my feelings. Remember last week, we, our feelings don't set us, we set our feelings. And I can say, thank you, Lord, that when you didn't feel it, you still went to the cross for me. You loved me. And I'm not feeling it, but I set my feelings, and I praise you, and I thank you for your goodness today. Do you still have what Pastor Jonathan gave us? You know, not only are these great verses for getting those gratitude juices flowing, but up here is, is a great exercise for gratitude. What a, what a perfect time just to do that. When we say, I love you, Lord, with all my heart. So I set my feelings by praising you and thanking you for so much good today. And then, and then um, my heart will get perspective. There's times in my day where I'm attracted to the temporary. Have you ever just felt the suction power of selfishness? 
I, I do. Maybe it's a lust after things to have. Maybe, maybe it's a lust after what other people have that I think I deserve more. Maybe it's a lust after women. You say, at your age? Oh, yeah. How could you even think that would stop at a young man's age like me? N.T. Wright, he wrote this. He said, made, listen to this. Made for spirituality, we wallow in introspection. Made for joy, we settle for pleasure. Made for justice, we clamor for vengeance. Made for relationship, we insist on our own way. Made for beauty, we are satisfied with sentiment. You know, my redeemed soul reminds me that I was made for more. I was made for God. I was made for forever. Isn't that great? My, my redeemed soul just reminds me that. So I sacrificed the temporary, and I, I, I live today forever. My soul gets hope from that. All right, and then during the day, when someone does something unjust or says something that's unfair, and I immediately think, how can I get them back? How can I balance the books here? You know, and anger begins to rise. I, I, I know this. When I go to the Lord and I, did you hear what they said? Did you see what they did? That is not fair. That is unjust. Come on, Lord, lightning. You know, I get in his presence and you know what I find? He's not even upset. He'll say, they did that to me. That's why I died for you to fix it. Died for people. He said, I told you to be like this and... In this world, you will have tribulation, but listen, I have overcome. <laughs> I've overcome. I can give you peace. I can heal your broken heart, and I can give you peace. And he does that all the time. Lord, I love you with all my mind, so I, I, I choose to do what brings the best out of every person and situation I encounter today. And then I love them with all my strength. How many have ever gotten to a storm? You know, we've all, the whole population on the planet sort of been through uh, something that just wears you down. It goes on and on. And you, you get into, uh, where you begin to think differently about everything. And, and you get to a place where you lose your, ever been to a point where you lose your strength? Even, you're, you're even asked to do a small task <laughs> and it seems so overwhelming. Ever been there? Well, and we just don't have the strength for it. You know, you know, and sometimes you just think, God, like, there's nothing good you can bring out of this. How can you even, uh, th where is this going, God? What's the outcome going to be? And there's times where you and I were just like, I don't know whether you did this as a parent, but I know dads do it all the time, you know? Sometimes we think of God like the, the earthly father that says, all right, I told you to do that, and you didn't do it. I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to count to three, and you better do this, or else. One. And at this time, the child and the dad are both thinking the same thing. But the child doesn't know that the, the dad doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets to three. <laughs> right? That's why we go like this. We go, one, two. I remember going, Two and a half. <laughs> Two and a half. 
two and three quarters because I'm trying to think of what I'm going to do when I get to the ORLs. <laughs> Send them to the room. <laughs> the default, right? God, you don't, what are you going to do? What's the outcome going to be? When God commands us to love him with all of our strength, he knows what's going to happen. Listen, the last book of the Bible, Jesus says to the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with the Father on his throne. How many know that's how it's going to turn out? That's how it's going to turn out. You know, um, before planes, people came to Canada by passenger ships, and one family was traveling from Europe, and uh, they, they'd never been on a, a ship like this before, and, and when it hit a severe storm, they were going, it wasn't just the seasickness, it was just going up those ways and then down, and they're down in, their, in, the, in the room, you know, down below, and, and they're just wondering, are we even going to survive? What's the outcome going to be? What, what's ever going to come of this? And one of the kids went all the way up, grabbed the handrails as the wind was blowing and the storm was there and went all the way up to the bridge, you know, where the pilot house, where the, the captain is. And he snuck in and, and he saw the captain just steering the boat, calmly giving commands. And then the captain actually noticed the kid, looked over, and the kid ran right back down to his family and he said, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. How do you know we're going to be all right? I saw the face of the captain and he smiled at me. That's the part that I think goes missing in prayer. We get in a storm and you know, our feelings and our thoughts and <laughs> we lose strength and how many are thankful that Jesus is the captain of our soul and he's going to get us to our destination? <laughs> the boat ain't going down if Jesus is on board, right? So when we go through something, we can just daily look into his face and have him smile at us and know that we handle it his way. It's going to have the best outcome possible and it's going to last forever. And then we can run and tell other people and have impact on their lives, Right? We can bring them the good news of Jesus. This life isn't all there is. He can forgive you for your past. He's got a home waiting for you in heaven with his Father, and you'll be with him there as things were intended forever and forever. Next week, Pastor John is going to help us pray for one another in this month of prayer. Pray for one another. Can you imagine how much more powerful our prayers for one another would be if we all Shemaized? <laughs> if we all just practice the Shema every day, just we, we bring that person that's been strengthened in their soul, mind, and heart. We bring that person when we pray for one another. So I, I want to I invite you right now just to bring, just, just take them, just relax, just take the next few moments just to bring your life with this Shema I wrote for believers in prayer. Right? First of all, I invite you, what, what's troubling you today? What's in the feeling department of your life is just getting a lot of attention. Whatever's troubling your heart today, I invite you just, just to whisper this right where you're seated. Lord, I love you with all my heart. So I set my feelings by praising and thanking you for so much good today. Lord, give, 
give your dear ones perspective, I pray. And I invite you just to bring whatever's pushing you to choose the temporary, the temptations you're struggling with, the issues, the busyness that's pushing you to forget about your eternal soul. Just, just, just pray. I love you, Lord, with all my soul. So I sacrifice to live today like it matters forever. Thank you, Jesus, for the hope for the future we always have because heaven is always ahead of us. I just invite you, upstairs, downstairs, online, just bring, bring all your anxious thoughts that, that compete to rule your, your thought life these days. Unresolved injustices, mistreatments, unfair situations, circumstances, all the people associated with them. Just bring those Say, I love you with all my mind, Lord. So I choose to what will bring the best out of every person and situation I encounter. Oh, Jesus, give, give each one peace as their minds are stayed upon you. And finally, just, just bring your energy level. However worn down, whatever needs recharging, whatever needs that fresh encouragement from the Spirit. Just bring your energy level and say, I love you with all my strength, Lord. So I put my energies into actions and words that love people the way that you love me. Lord, may your love shine through us even in our storms so we impact others to trust you, we pray. Oh, your love is strong. And we pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.